from a plane A thousand footfall doesn't thrill them at all So tell me why should it be true That they get a kick out of do There, there's a lot of things in the 90s that are problematic and, you know, in Living Color was pushing boundaries. I didn't know they were pushing that boundary, but I'd love to see it. I'm sure there, is there a way that we can see this lost Billy D skit or is it just gone I, forever? Yeah, I, I believe it's on YouTube, uh, if I'm not mistaken, man. Like most, I think just about all of the show. All of the seasons are on YouTube, man. Um, I don't know how they let that slip through the cracks, but thank you, YouTube. Um, I gotta say, YouTube is an incredible, for us, like in what we're doing here, uh, YouTube is an incredible tool because there are some things, like we're gonna talk about it today, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, for example, there are shows that you just can't stream. So yeah. YouTube, and again, in the case of the show we're gonna watch tonight, uh, or talk about tonight um, was I get that's the only way I was actually able to watch it and we I was able to watch most of the show because YouTube exists and some freak somewhere put up a full episode of Walker Texas Ranger um, just for the world to see and thank God yeah man I mean what will we do without Chuck Norris roundhouse kicks I mean I need to be able to look up that Atlanta grape stomp video at a moment's notice just to refresh just to remember the greatness so if youtube wasn't there i, I don't know how i'd find that steve i don't it's know it's better than paramount i i really just i hate the the wonkiness of paramount streaming man yeah um, it sucks it's not it and here's the thing it's annoying is that there's some good shit on that app but it's intolerable to use and God forbid you have to fast forward something on that fucking thing. It's oh like, God. it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be here for an extra 30 fucking minutes while this shit goes. Paramount is the rotary phone of streaming devices. Like, like when you're watching something and then you go like undo or go back, usually it's to the previous menu. You do this on Paramount, you go right back to the main menu. Yeah, I mean, it was like, it's like using Windows 95 now. It's like something like that, where it's like, I can't, yeah. like, this computer is, it's taking five minutes to, you know, even load up. It doesn't make sense. And sometimes I'll be watching a show, and then some, I don't know what happens. I'm not a technology expert, but like, it'll be playing, but then it will be also playing uh, uh, the episode like three minutes behind and you hear both audios as if there's two windows open somehow playing. It's like, I'm watching this on PlayStation. 
It's, it's no. a crapshoot. No, oh no, PlayStation, man. You were talking Nintendo. You got to blow in the cartridge with Paramount. Fucking. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you might as well. You might as well throw that shit against the wall because it ain't working. Get on like, that. Like, how do you come after the other streaming devices and your works? Like, you would think with Netflix being out, Hulu, HBO Max, you would take notes. Like, oh, this is how they're doing. Oh, like this is how. Okay, like, dude, like the people who are putting paramount together they lied on their resume like, yeah or they just had one good idea in their life and then they were like well they took you know you everybody's done this you take a job and you're like yeah i can do that like you know paramount plus was like interviewed some guy and they were like we want it to be netflix but just you know with our little sheen on it make it look a little better give it a little like cool little change on the visual and the guy's like yeah i got you i got you I got you. And then you I know get Microsoft what you got. Office. Yeah, exactly. My yeah, Windows no 95, I I think this is gonna work, but this is all I can do for you. I mean, it's it really is one of those things. And here's the fucking sad thing, Steve. I keep you know, you'll invest like for instance, I started with Netflix and Hulu, and that's what I had. And then I got Disney Plus, and then I got Paramount Plus and Peacock. So it's like, in effect, I'm paying way more for cable already, probably, than normal. I just recently, over the weekend, Steve, I got a hankering to watch Food Network shows because I love Chopped. I like watching cooking competitions. I don't know why, um, but I do. And uh, there's Discovery Plus invested in that. And um, I'm, I feel like I'm just going to keep paying for subpar products because Hulu, Netflix, even YouTube works perfectly even on a playstation yeah. but everything else it's like guys you gotta pay more than five dollars just to like create the whole structure of your app like get it together please because i gotta watch macgyver and i want it to just be a nice experience straight up man like and, and like you don't even have the full selection you like you got half-ass episodes of, of half-ass seasons yeah, especially the Nickelodeon shit, because that's what's on Paramount, right? Nickelodeon. Yeah. I I um I don't like to be like, oh, I can watch all of Salute Your Shorts. I can watch all that Budnick's antics and Donkey Lift. And then you oh, get on there and it's like fucking three episodes per season. It's this isn't this isn't justice, Steve. This isn't you just have the episode where Pinsky moves in? God damn, man. Yeah. And, like I remember trying to find Ren and Stimpy. And I typed Ren and the word and, and this shit didn't even pop up. Then I typed Ren ampersand and the fit, like, dude, what the fuck? What else is on here that has that yeah, same Ren. startup? Like, <laughs> just Ren should do. Ren should suffice. Let me say something to you as a friend. You suck. Paramount. <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah, dude? that. So and just, also, you're dealing like I'm assuming you're using PlayStation Two. It's a controller. I'm not. I don't have. I can't type this shit in like it's a computer. Oh, I, I try it on laptop and on uh oh. on my Roku. Yeah, but still, it, it's still wonky on both, man. Because even when I'm typing, the shit lags. <laughs> I don't. I don't like to like. Because I'm not somebody who could ever create something like that. So I don't know what goes into it. And I'm sure it's very complicated. But I got to just say, for the amount of money I'm paying, I'm one guy. 
I know there's millions of idiots just like me paying for Discovery Plus and all these things. Just take some of the money and stop, you know, just put it into making it work just serviceably. So I don't have to wait fucking. I'm trying to fast forward, Steve. And fast forwarding takes longer than watching the goddamn episode. And I just got to say, that's not fun. And let's say when you fast forward, the shit might be out of sync. Like, or, oh, it might, or it might just fuck up completely. Sometimes it'll just fuck up and say, it'll just like, oh, it blue screen. You got to go back and start from scratch. And now you got to fast forward. And oh, hey, remember that thing I said about fast forward? It's not, it's going to keep fucking up. I'm pissed now. Like, Let me have that 20 bucks a month though. I'm going to need that. <laughs> Maybe we'll fix these room. problems. And like, okay, yeah, you... You can't do that stuff. I can't do that stuff, but neither of us have applied for that job. There was a motherfucker who went on Indeed or Monster.com and applied like, oh yeah, I know how to do this shit. He got the job and lo and behold, here we are uh, watching Donkey Kong level fucking streaming, man. Yeah, dude, dude and I'm taking it up the tailpipe and fucking uh, all these payments. I got, I'm getting jacked like Sally Mae's coming at my money, Steve. And these are, right. te- this is just fucking, I used to pay, I, you know, I never thought I'd be paying for just solely Food Network. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to do that. But sometimes you just run out of shit. And for me, a nice cooking show, it's just nice to follow. New asleep. ideas. You know, maybe it's- maybe I just need to, like, get a better hobby. But I don't know. I keep shelling out. And I the shining light and these anything other than Netflix and Hulu, HBO Max. I, I just got to... They're kind of taking the lead, I feel, man. I mean, they... I'll, they I'll continue. Even if all these other ones fall to the wayside, HBO Max, you can have my money. Um, oh, yeah. Your your original programming's great, and the functionality of the actual app itself, top-notch. So, HBO Max, flowers to you. Salute to you. Speaking of which, have you seen Life of Crime on HBO Max? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, as I increase in age, these are the kind of movies that I find horrifying. Fuck a Freddy, fuck a Jason, fuck a Mike Myers. Uh, that last Halloween sucked, by the way. But Life yeah, of it Crime, was not good. It was some trash. Uh, Life of Crime is a uh, Stanley Clark-ish kind of movie. The, the director is John or uh, John Lap John Lapley. John Lapley, and he started following these meth addicts and heroin users in the 80s, in 1984. And it's uh, like a a piecework because that's the first part in the 80s. And then he reconvened with them in like the later 80s, um, going into the 90s. And that was Life of Crime 2. So Life of Crime on HBO Max is uh, 1984 to 2021. And it it follows the story of three uh, longtime drug abusers, uh, mostly uh, heroin um, and probably some crack sprinkled in there. Uh, But man, it's horrifying uh, that they actually show like one of the the dead bodies. Uh, The guy, he went clean and like he went into like a halfway house he was getting straight had a part-time job whatever and then he got one hit and this was like uh pure some pure shit and his body just ended up like getting bloated and they actually show the body in the morning oh shit dude yeah dude life of crime that's kind of what i mean i don't know maybe it's just because they're getting better and people have more of a budget but i feel like those are 
any of that shit. All those murder documentaries or those crime ones where like people track down somebody. I do like get into those so easily. Whereas some of these like shows, I don't really find myself gravitating towards. So I'll have to check that one out. To fight evil, Spider-Man will go anywhere, anytime. A superhero's gotta do what a superhero's gotta do. Whoa, Spider-Man! Sorry I can't hang around. Because the action's at McDonald's. Take a break with a hamburger happy meal for just $1.99. There's Spidey, Spider-Man characters, and hot cars with cool moves. One with every $1.99 hamburger happy meal you buy your kids. Spider-Man, I just saw Scorpion in the drive-thru. Have a nice day. Thanks. Have Hey, boys and girls, this is Steve G. And Mad G with Happen in the 90s, a show where we talk about things that happened in the 90s. So get out your Bayside Tiger jerseys and your Silver Chair CDs because it's all right. It's happy in the 90s. It's all right. It's happy in the 90s. It's all right. It's happy in the 90s. Man, I am a damn gosh. That was good, Steve. I like that. Uh, yeah, I, that last part of the song, I, I play like Denny Dillon introduces herself. Denny Dillon. <laughs> Denny Dillon probably doesn't introduce herself like that. She probably doesn't introduce herself at all because uh, she was a has-been. Oh, wow. Well, maybe. I, I hope I would love to introduce myself like that. Billy, mm-hmm. uh, hey, I'm Matt. Billy Dinch get snazzy with it steve it's like very magician-esque gotta have a members only jacket too to make it all work i i'm not that i don't think i have that old man swag yet to just be rocking the members only i don't even can you get those do they still make that is that oh yeah oh i'm sure with the internets everything's possible uh you know this is a first First time for both shows, man. First time talking about Saved by the Bell. First time talking about Walker, Texas Ranger. And his theme song sucked, by the way. I didn't realize like it was that bad. I didn't realize, because I honestly watched this show with my grandmother, of all people. Like, she was heavily into Chuck Norris, as was my mother. My mother used to be have a crush on the man, which I guess I get. But... Yeah. I never clocked that Chuck Norris is singing his theme song. He's the guy singing the fucking songs. Dude. I didn't know that. And uh, Mr. Norris, you should stay in your lane respectfully. Because that's what a Ranger's got to be. I mean, and it's a very it Johnny fits. Cash. Fucking, yeah, he yeah. should have got Johnny Cash. I mean, it, it fits the theme of the show, but yeah. still, it sucked. Yeah, I'm not. I I was not into that, but I was definitely happy we watched Walker, Texas Ranger, especially this one, because I just feel like we've been watching some shows where this is the energy I wanted out of it. And this show maybe made up for a couple of lackluster MacGyver episodes. You know, I feel like we got some of that in this. So we'll get to it. But I'm happy to talk about both of these. And this Saved by the Bell. I mean, this is one of the this is a heater. This has got to be top 10. This is the one, one of the ones you remember, man. I mean, I couldn't wait. When are we gonna talk about Bayside Crew? When the people of Bayside High? I want to talk about some Kellys. I want to talk about some Sacks, and I'm gonna get his name right every time this time. Mark Paul Gossler. I'm yep. gonna slow it down. You know, before I was just too uh, Mark Paul Gossler. Uh, Gossler. Uh, he's not a G, dude. 
Mark Paul, the fucking king. I mean, this motherfucker, when I think about studs of the 90s, if you will, Steve, I got to say, Zach Morris, Mark Paul Gosler, um, I feel like, did he almost physically drown in pussy juice? Probably. Easily. Still to this day. I mean, the guy still, I mean, still killing it. Still, not he's aging like a fine wine, and that for a white dude, that's you're saying something. Mark Paul Gosler could have went an Eddie Furlong route and looked like you know a Lord of the Rings character, but he's maintaining. I got he's he's looking. He's like uh, Pierce Brosnan aging. You know, one of those guys. He's really established look. We can all hope to just age gracefully like that, Steve. I think you will. Um, But Matt. Yeah, if you got if, if you're a man with a jaw, that like immediately you're like, okay, he's, he looks like he's older and he's got a jaw, and he has hair. He's maintained that fabuloso hair that Zach Morris had and that Mark Paul Gosler. I think I was gonna die with just a full luscious head of hair, and I uh, I'm a little jealous, honestly. Oh, yeah. Same, same. It's all right. I feel like I I feel like both of us Asian, you know, in terms of just like being normal guys, we're aging like fine wine as ourselves. So, you know, shout out to both of us for maybe not maintaining a Mark Paul Gossler level of fitness and beauty, but we're doing our best. So and, and then of course AC Slater, the international player. Mm, I mean, he's I mean, coming at you, Steve. Like he he is one of one. Who else? can play basketball and be on the wrestling team. They're both winter sports. And I mean, one is, I mean, they're both exhausting, but to get from straight off of a grueling wrestling practice, I can only imagine they're grueling to go play some fucking straight up one a level ball. I mean, this guy's a straight legend. He was going to be, you know, one of those guys, like a Deion Sanders type person in that world. You know, he was going to take it over. Yeah. Like he's a modern Jim Thorpe, man. Uh, Bo Jackson of sorts. And the Mario Lopez, the man, same same deal. The guy boxes yeah. regularly. I'm sure he's probably going to get tuned up on one of these celebrity boxing things that they're doing all over the place now. There's, it's only a matter of time before he's boxing Joe Rogan or doing some sort of mixed martial arts thing with Wesley Snipes or something. Something's going to happen. Um, but I... You know, just shout out to every shout out even to Belding. You know, we all he he comes through in this episode in a way where I wasn't I almost forgot what a stand up guy Mr. Belding was. He's a Uncle Phil like character in, in that regard. Um, and but and, uh, and I also I sent this in a text to you and a, another one of you, uh, Jordan, our mutual friend that. Um, my wife dropped a small nuclear bomb in my head last night whenever I was watching this and she quietly told me that, um, Mr. Belding, Dennis Haskins, the man, and I'm assuming the character in the show was actually 38 when saved by the bell premiered. And if you look up Dennis Haskins, I'm not taking anything away from the man, but to think as somebody who watched Saved by the Bell when it was coming out and was like, I I want to be Zach when I grow up. To now be past this and to be at the age of the principal in the fucking show. It's a mind fuck. Uh, you know, I'm not doing too bad, but I just got to say, I, I don't appreciate being reminded that I'm 
old as fuck. You yeah, know? I, I, I feel like people our age back then, they looked older in general, man. Yeah, I mean, I think one, we, uh, we're not stuck necessarily. I mean, I'm wearing a Ninja Turtle shirt, but it's not like this is more of a, a youthful thing. I don't think a lot of adults back in the day were wearing like Magnum PI shirts and shit like that. You know, they were just dressed like they were going to work at a fucking office with those like rapist glasses and shit. You know, they were just the Woody just... Allens. <laughs> yeah, dude. <clears throat> so, but I mean, also Rod building i mean we get maybe the sexiest substitute teacher of all time i mean they did have another substitute uh that the girls were just swooning over and then to the point where zach was jealous and he had to intervene as usual um but yeah they, they've had a, a couple uh sit-ins and uh yeah man today we're going to be talking about all things december 9th in the 90s give me a hell yeah Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and I mean, luckily, in, whoa, what's up? I was just going to say, Steve, just lead us through December 9th in the 90s, please. Well, in 1990, we were thankful. I'm, I was thankful enough to have a Saved by the Bell. They, they aired this on a Sunday out, out of out of bracket. Yeah, man. Uh, mm. This was a special Sunday for whatever reason. And they're airing the episode, The Fabulous Building Boys. Uh, Mr. Belding's brother, Rod, a substitute teacher, arrives at Bayside to teach the gang's history class. Rod proves instantly popular, and soon Mr. Belding is dismayed to find that the kids prefer his brother to him. It's got to be painful. You know it's happened over and over again in the Belding's life. You know, oh, yeah. he's this guy looks like Fabio, and Mr. Belding, you know, is Mr. Belding. So I'm. there's a lot of, like, tension there, but right away... One, we get the awesome theme song. I mean, we don't have to go through it. Everybody knows it. It's got those tasty licks. It's just, I mean, it's a banger of a theme song. And uh, Bayside, we get into Bayside and it's a buzz, Steve. There's a class trip coming up. And I mean, everybody's talking about it. Everybody. Yeah. But there's one thing, man. You can't go anywhere if you don't pass Mr. Dickerson's history exam. And this guy's a dick, Steve. This guy, I mean, was this our geometry teacher in high school? Because this guy's coming out of the gate trying to fail people. I mean, he doesn't, he, no, there's no fucking heart in this guy whatsoever. This was a lot of our teachers in high school. And Mr. Colvin, if you're still alive, I still want to come after you. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't enjoy this. And maybe this is what engendered my hatred of authority and my hatred of school in general was teachers like this, where it was this guy, Mr. Dickerson is in everyone's face telling them, you're not going to pass this test. And there's rumors yeah. going around that this guy even failed his own son. And that kid's, you know, God knows what's happening with that fucking guy. But this guy's a fucking asshole. So like no one's passed in years, in three years, exactly. And this is a midterm. So this is one of those tests, especially as somebody who didn't do a lot of the homework. The midterm was a crucial part of my grade that I had to, I mean, I had to, you know, have some level of success in order to pass the class. So, yeah. you know, I'd be stressed and to add more stress, if you don't pass this fucking test, this impossible test, you ain't going on this bomb ass fucking Southern Cali class trip that 
everyone's talking about. And I another thing that pissed me off about this episode, Steve, just thinking back about our experience in high school, especially, there was none of this. There was no nah. fucking class trip to fucking Cancun or to some like week long excursion. You know where we went, Steve? Yeah. We went to the fucking water treatment factory to see where ha- what happens to your turds when they go yeah, through we, the, <laughs> the sewer. Yeah, we we did do that, and that sucked uh, for obvious reasons. But I do remember actually going to Cedar Point one Friday uh, with my government class with Miss Durr. Miss Durr. Uh, oh, Miss Durr, dude. Yeah, the, the lesbian government teacher, Miss Durr. Um, she um, mm. took us all to Cedar Point, and that was pretty cool. I went to Cedar Point with the uh, marching band, uh, but here's the thing, Steve. I hated roller coasters at the time, so I just didn't enjoy America's Roller Coast. I, I didn't enjoy it, and even now I probably wouldn't enjoy it because I don't like lines, and uh, I don't really like oh. heights too much. I'm a bitch, so. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have a good time, man. Uh, but, uh, but there was a Mr. good buffet there. I was fat at the time, and I do remember there was a buffet under the Raptor, I believe, that just straight had some fire ass food. So I remember that. remembers the location and shit. <laughs> I remember it was it was there uh, was a candy shop three three fucking and a half miles into the park that was just fucking magical, Steve. Right next to the Millennium Falcon. About 26 paces from Frontier Town. <laughs> I don't know why you turn into a Jewish kid. Yeah, hey, why not? They had a gefilte fish that just fucking made me schwitz myself, Steve. Splodoinkle. I, I was schwitzing. Uh, but right. yeah, they, so these kids, they get to, I mean, this is Southern California, Steve. There's a lot of money in Bayside, and apparently they're using a lot of that money to take these kids on a class trip, which, I mean... The, they're just like studs and hotties everywhere on this trip. And I, you know, I get why you'd want to go beyond just getting to get out of school for a week. Because, I mean, you might see Kelly Kapow's out of that blouse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, Belding asked for suggestions. Uh, Milton, uh, the local fat nerd, is the... <laughs> He suggests they go to Hershey's Chocolate Factory in Pennsylvania. Uh, Lisa thinks they should go to a, on a cruise to Hawaii. And I don't know what kind of budget she thinks Bayside, Bayside has, but uh, um, yeah, it's a lot of tokens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, damn. I'd be happy to just go, you know, get a pizza party or something, let alone a fucking Hawaiian cruise. Yeah. How long does that take? A couple of weeks? Yeah, man, what the fuck? You see boats behind this high school? What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, Jesse wants to go to a nuclear power plant, and and Steve G says Jesse can get the fuck out of here with that Montgomery Burns bullshit. Uh, Zach, uh, probably my favorite choice out of this, says they should go to Las Vegas so they can study the Roman palace and some togas and some titties in them togas. And... uh, but Milton now wants to go to the Hostess Museum. He hears they have a great ding-dong exhibit. Yeah, he is a ding-dong. And suck my ding-dong, too. I mean, come on, Milton. Just eat some fucking Swiss cake rolls and shut the fuck up. So, There's a 3-6 you know. song where they're like, she gonna suck my ding-dong eyes like a ching-chong. <laughs> Put your dick in her mouth. Give me, give me head, head till I'm there. Give me head, dude. <laughs> Uh, I mean, 
Shout out to Three Six Mafia. I'm a sh- I, from what I read on the text thread, they did a versus uh, oh. against Bone Thugs, and <laughs> it seemed to be amazing. So yeah. Uh, but anywho, uh, back to Bayside. They're they're figuring shit out, and I think eventually, I don't know if they come to this realization now or a little bit later, but Belding actually has an idea of where to go. They want to go to all these weird places. Jesse, nuclear power plant. Shut up, bitch! Go. Go ahead. Go for it. We're going to go someplace else. And Belding actually is going to take them to Yosemite so they can go sleep under the stars in Yosemite, which... Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily like sleeping outside that much, but you know what? That's that's right for uh, adolescent, like teen angsty, you know, like let's play truth or dare, that kind of yeah. shit. Yeah, there's a lot of that that's going to be happening. You know what I'm saying? Let's play share sleeping bags. Exactly. Let's play, let's bust inside this sleeping bag. So everyone's pretty do- like excited about that, but again, there's this looming test where you might not get to go. It don't really matter. I would be like, hey, guys, it looks like I'm not going because I'm never going to pass this test. There's no amount of studying I can do to get ready for this impossible test. For real. And so they all go back to Zach's bedroom having a study session, uh, which is already setting you up for failure. Um, of all yeah. people, you go to the fucking failing students. Uh, bedroom. Uh, but Zach says this is more about the trip than passing Dickerson's test, uh, even though Dickerson even failed his own kid. Uh, and Zach, of all people, says that all they have to do is study the material and Dickerson can't stop them from going. Oh, my God. What a mar- marvel idea, Zachary. Uh, if you just study the material, the teacher won't fail you. Like, my God, this guy's a genius. But here's the thing, Steve. Dickerson's so deep inside everybody's cranium that they're trying to study. They're trying to look at pages on, in a book. They're trying to look at a TV. They're trying to do all yeah. these things. Dickerson's inside their head going, you're going to fail. It's like the water boy. It's like, dude, dude, just constantly. And I, I'm it gave me some flashbacks because there was I had a lot of these moments just in school in general because I didn't study. So every test, every one of these midterms that this was a crew, like I said, this was a make or break time in Matt's every school year. This is where everything could go to to the top of the mountain or just completely pitfall. And I'd have to live in misery for a whole half a year, basically. I can relate, man. What, like while you're studying, like the teacher's head will like pop up and like you hear their voice. It's like, yeah, you ain't gonna pass this shit. Dude, that chemistry teacher we had, she was in my head. I mean, she I just was so afraid of that class in general because it was like going crickets. I mean, it was like going into, you know, like whatever language, like taking an Italian language class, and the day one you walk in, they're speaking Italian, teaching in Italian. And everything's like in Italian and you're just like, I don't understand any of this. Thank God she did those things where we could take the test after we failed the test and uh, get like a better grade. still somewhere. failed the test? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, it's not a 34 anymore. Like you got a 46. So um, maybe you can pass really my bad. Dude, when I, I got a C minus in that chick in her class and like she announced like the day before school was over i got a c minus i was writing it on the like celebrating a c minus in that class steve 
that's how i mean i was just not and i also had that snafu with the cookie um with her and i feel like she could have failed me if she wanted to but she didn't and i feel like it was probably because she didn't want to deal with me but man words hurt matt and when you said her cookie was nasty as fuck uh i felt that in her grimace when she came from uh Mm. behind the closet yeah that was one of those oh just (sighs) yeah it it was it was um (laughs) uncomfortable but it was hilarious because I yeah, think I, I laughed a little. We laughed. I know we laughed yeah. about it at some point because you were right there. You shared that moment with me, like next to I, me, basically. I, so, <laughs> and I live for awkward moments. Thank you. Uh, now they're studying, and Mr. Dickerson is popping up everywhere. He's popping up in the books. Uh, he, he's popping up on the Magic Johnson poster to tell Kelly that her good looks won't get her through this shit. He pops up in Jesse's book to tell her and Slater, FFF, you're both getting an F. Fuck off. And then they say, <laughs> fuck this. They take a break and decide to watch some fresh prints. And Dickerson pops up on the TV screen to bust a rap. Uh, you think you're smart. You think you're hip, but your books away because you can't trust it. I think that's what he said. I don't know. Uh, it was a whack bars. I mean, that's pretty good bars for an old white man, though. You got to give it to him. And it was 1990. Uh, and then they're in class the next day and the bell rings. And Mr. Dickerson hasn't shown up. And if he doesn't show up by the five-minute mark past the bell, the students agree to leave class. Uh, even some bitty titty Jesse, uh, who's so neurotic and she just needs an A. Oh, I need my A. I'm, I'm excited. And by the time they reach six, Mr. Belding shows up to tell them Mr. Dickerson won't be there today. Uh, and he came into the teacher's lounge and gave everyone an F. Belding knew he needed a rest when Dickerson tried to send him to detention. I mean, this guy was a menace. He was giving teachers Fs. And also, I remember, I do, we all have had this experience of like this vague five minute rule that's some kind of official rule. It was always brought up. I mean, more so in college. Um, but yeah, I feel like it was 15 minutes maybe when I was maybe, coming. Yeah when I was coming up on the streets, but it would, there was always this weird rule where it's like, Hey guys, it's, it's in, there's a, some sort of stone tablet that says somewhere that if this teacher doesn't show up in five minutes or 15 minutes, guys, we get to just leave. That's just the rules. I don't, I don't make yeah. these rules. This is like yeah. a 10 commandments type shit. So. And the time increased because of overpopulation. Yeah. I, I think that's what it was. And, uh, it's much. It's very much like porn in uh, in the woods for us. There, I feel like everybody had that. You could be in the Ukraine, and they're like the fifteen minute rule, you know, some shit like that. Where it's just like, oh wow, we we it just crosses all borders type shit. So I thought that was hilarious, and I do remember that because I'm sure we were in classes together where that was almost instituted, and you know, just like in this episode right before you're all about to walk out somebody walks in and they're like guys come on 15 yeah. minute rule we're, you aren't those people so and uh, along with mr belding in walks another man who also goes by mr belding and we soon find out that he's mr belding's little brother rod belding you know uh, no emphasis on extra syllables just one like rod like rod. Matt, like steve it's yeah really cool. It's powerful though, Rod. Rod is just powerful. I mean, it's sexual. It's powerful. I mean, this guy's got a flowing mane of blonde. I, fu- I want to fuck this guy, apparently, Steve. Rod's coming in just big dick energy all day. 
when Fabio wasn't available, he had Rod. <laughs> and Rod's right there. And you're going to fuck Rod and you're going to see God, Steve. That's what, that's what happens for a guy named Rod. He probably said that quite a bit in his life. When you have a suggestive first name, yes, all things can be possible. Exactly. And Rod's coming in and he's, like I said, this is Southern California. Substitute teaching. It's not that hard to be get into. So, But this guy lucked into it. His, his bro, his big bro gave him a job, which later find out probably regrets. Um, but he comes in and he's like, oh, hey, and he's just Mr. Cool. This is like Matthew McConaughey walking in and subbing sub your class. You know, all right, all right, all hey, right. I hear you got a hard test today. Let me take a look at this. You know what? Fuck this test. He even does it, Steve. He does what we all dreamed of. Oh, you got to take this hard test that's going to define the rest of your life? Bullshit. Fuck this shit, y'all. Fuck this shit. <laughs> Who's got the weed? Who's got the yeah. weed, y'all? So... Right away, I'd be infatuated with, with Mr. Rod or whatever you call him. I'm not calling him Mr. Belding, but... Yeah. It, I mean, instantly, he's Zach's favorite. Jesse still wants to know, like, what about the midterm? I have to get an A. So Rod says, like, say less. You got an A. And Zach will have an A as well. Everybody <laughs> yeah, wants an hell A. Yeah. Hey, uh, and then some asshole's like, hey, you can't just give out A's. And he's like, I'm not giving you an A. I'm giving you the grade you deserve. Tell me what you deserve to get. And if, he believes hey, the honor system. Magically, everyone, Steve, thinks that they deserve an A. I'd be right on that gravy train, too. I'd be like, I know I deserve an A. Yeah. I know. I deserve, yeah, I deserve to be a 4.9 student. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to be the valedictorian off this shit. I actually want an A++, whatever that equates to. And everyone's on that same page, except for a fucking dumbass Screech, who just can't get it together. His heart says A, but his head says C+. So he asked Rod to give him a uh, B-. Great. I mean, fuck you, Screech. We all know. Dustin Diamond, I, I'm not going to besmirch a dead man, but... I just don't like this. And I hated those people that were like at the end of a class before everyone walked away. Like, hey, did we have some homework? One of those kids. It's like, shut yeah. up. Shut the fuck I, I feel up. like, well, Scrooge does it because he don't know no better. I feel like that's Jesse more so than anything. Oh, yeah. Man. But she takes that A, Steve. So this is more of that showgirls Jesse Spano coming, that spicy, that fuego. Man, she keeps up, geeked up <laughs> off the mollies. <laughs> And so Rod's like, I, I sit to the head of the airline, make someone else vice president. I need summers off to follow my dream. He prefers the lax schedule of being a substitute teacher. <laughs> you know, I just like to come in every couple of days, and you know, maybe work, maybe not. It is what it is. Usually I'm just waking up right now covered in pussy juice. I, I don't get a man who's just sitting here trying to get the respect of these kids like this because it. My note was, if Rod stayed in this job for even a week, there would be some kind of uh, allegations, Steve. There would be some sort of inappropriate relations. I mean, this guy is all about letting these kids live that lifestyle, whether it's making out, whether it's him talking about his insane lifestyle. It's all great. It's all just friendship, dude. This ain't a teacher-student thing. This is a 
we're all buddies thing. And I don't, I don't know. I, I'm getting a little, it's a little too close. Well, Matt, uh, I was a substitute teacher at one point and I, I did it for a year in Sandusky and Sandusky area schools. Okay. And here's, here's the thing. Fuck them kids. When, when you're a substitute teacher, uh, I mean, you're in there for a day at a time. I mean, what's the point of like having a trying to create a long lasting relationship or a bond like you're in there to follow those lessons? Um, obviously, he didn't even follow the lesson. I mean, you were supposed to just give out these tests. You got the answers and another paper. Uh, so I, I, I could at least abide by that. Uh, but man, substituting in those high schools, it's like uh, bait because those little fast girls, they say little shit. Uh, little snide remarks from a, within an earshot and to make sure that you can hear and the fact that you're a substitute immediately people are just like oh yeah our real teacher isn't here and so if oh, you're yeah. a young yeah so if you're a young man uh with fully grown man parts that right there alone and if you're not an ugly jason motherfucker um yeah you're, you're going to get some attention unwanted attention because these are babies yeah, I don't like that, but I also just remember how much of a cunt I was to substitute teachers as a as even a fat kid. Like I I they could have snapped on me and I would have shut right up, but I did it, it it was like you said. It's like, "Oh, the real authority, this guy is going to be gone or this girl's going to be gone tomorrow." So, looks like you're going to get some fucking shit today cuz I don't feel like whatever, to learning chemistry or whatever the fuck. I got my $100 stipend for today. I don't know what they were paying Rod for his services as a substitute in Cali. He was getting paid in Molly and fucking pussy, apparently, because he's out here just trying to get pick up a chick. Really, that's what it seems. It seems like this is the same conversation you have with some chick at a bar. Like, I just told the airline, hey, I can't help it if I'm fucking and working at the same time. It just is what it is. You know, he's very he's very much one of these guys in the lifestyle. I think we talked about the lifestyle previously, Steve, and I feel like this guy's in that lifestyle. He's going to Euro sex parties. He's fucking on some cam site. He's doing whatever, dude. Scientology meetings and shit. Yeah. And, uh, and now Zach tells Mr. Belding that his brother is the best teacher that he's ever had. While Screech says they're nothing alike. Uh, it's hard to believe that they're even brothers because Screech has no goddamn sense. Um, and now they, they find out that they're going to Yosemite National Park. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Uh, when Mr. Belding leaves, Rod tells the students that they're brave for letting his brother lead them into the woods. Because when he was 12, camping out in front lawn, he got lost. And they just have a roar <laughs> at his Well, Steve, you got to just set the scene, though. Because what we they learn all this, and then we cut, and they're in Belding's office. Belding's not there. Well, the real Mr. Belding. Rod's in there just hanging yeah. out. They might as well be the cracking fucking beers. Yeah, that's where we are now. Yeah, they're they're in the office and uh, watching the Dodgers game. Yeah, and they're just hanging out. It's like, first of all, was this after hours? Because if this was, if school's over, I'm out, dude. I want to fucking hang out with you. I gotta go play Goldeneye and shit. What are you talking about? Oh. Fuck the Dodgers. No. Fuck this bullshit. Fuck your bro shit. I know Zach and. Uh, fucking screech half cable why are y'all staying in bayside to watch yeah me? i'd be like hey i guess if you want to come hang like do you got a place to stay because this is some weird shit but anyway he does like clown it's obvious rod doesn't have a lot of respect for mr Belding. you know what i'm saying rod's like the more uh cosmopolitan brother he went out he's been fucking trim he's been flying planes going on whitewater rafting trips well, Rod's been fucking being a principal and being an upstanding dude, but, you know, not only is he a shit brother, 
But then he just says, you know what? I'm going to hijack this fucking guy's plans. And he starts going, you know what? Instead of, you know, what was even better is when I went on a whitewater rafting trip. Fuck you, Yosemite. I went on this whitewater rafting trip and it was not only did I have the time of my life, but I learned all these lessons, blah, blah, blah. Basically, um, just brainwashing Zach and Screech to be in like, oh that would be dope and just getting them to want to just do something else which is completely fucked up i mean yeah because zach is just drinking the kool-aid like i'll give anything to go white water rafting yeah. and i'm like anything you like anything mark paul gosseler you will give anything god damn like man i'm already gone i don't want to even whitewater rafting i mean damn that sounds fucking more than just going out camping i'm good dude and also I don't like Rod, dude. Like this guy's dangerous. This is a guy who could start a cult, Steve. This is a guy yeah. who you're talking to, and then like two months later, he's fucking your wife, and you're like planting potatoes out in the middle of nowhere, just getting ready for the government to come take your guns. You know, this guy's dangerous. This is a David Koresh, but he's more fuckable too. So that's even more dangerous. I don't like this. Are y'all going uh, white water rafting or to Jonesboro, Rod? <laughs> yeah, dude. He's like, you got to meet the savior after we go on the rapids. You know, you got to meet the one true king or whatever. It's like, all right. Now we're stuck out in the middle of nowhere with Rod. He's fucking Jesse Spano and trying to fucking <laughs> do some cult shit out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I don't like this. Now I'm getting more scared of Rod, Steve. I wasn't thinking this last night. I was just like... He's this guy's going to fuck one of these students, man or he woman. He's going to fuck one of them. So I don't like that. He's a, he's a charismatic guy. I mean, look at the locks. And uh, He's going to fuck Screech, Steve. <laughs> he's hey, going to. You, you don't, you don't want to be walking around trees and chasing squirrels. <laughs> you want to be with me, don't you, Screech? Zoinks. Come ride these rapids. So, anywho, he starts that little um, snowball effect. So, Zach, Screech, they start, you know, doing little speaking in everybody's ear, like, let's go, let's go whitewater rafting. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, man. And then, so, like, Belding is giving them the plan with, like, okay, on this day, we're going to, like, wake up and do a hike. On this day, we're going to fucking hug cactuses and shit. And then they're just having a hard time telling them, like, dude, that sound dope and everything. But, man, there's this other thing that we could really do. Actually, we kind of really want to do that. Yeah. And it's white water rafting. And actually, and, you're not going. Your brother yeah. is, who we just have met yesterday. But this motherfucker, look at him. Look at him. Look, look at him. He told the airline he was not going to work for him because he needed his weekends off. This You fucking, you gave me detention, Mr. Belding. I want to go get some pussy with Rod, okay? Please. And Mr. Belding is, you know, he's not like open, like openly heard. He's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll just change these plans last minute. That's fine. So he does that, which is mind blowing in and of itself. But then he, which I'm sure this happened many times in his life, just like ate that pain and just was like, it's better than me. And he throws out all the brochures for Yosemite. He just throws them out, Steve. 
Yeah, just throws them in the trash, man. And you know, you get the feels for for rich yeah. building. He, um, he, he's a good guy. I mean, this is very much like the stepdad that wants to be like in some kid's life. And he's like, yeah, we're going to go on a plan. And then that kid blows him off. And he's like <laughs> eating fucking soggy ice cream just in the living room. It's Mr. Belding. I mean, that's probably what he did. He went home and just cried into some Hagen dolls. Yeah, uh, little Bill style. Like, <laughs> oh my God, it keeps fucking my wife off. No, they, they go to the class. Yeah, it, it come back to the class and they're doing a white water raft simulation in the classroom. And the AC says he's an expert at mouth to mouth. And Jesse says, hey, you all right. And AC's like, oh, that's not what you said Saturday night to a loud, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, damn, though, that is pretty wild just to be saying in front of the whole class. Like, that's not what you were saying when I was six inches deep in you last night, bitch. AC Slater, international player. But, I mean, here's what here's what uh, whitewater rafting uh, practices, Steve. Making these juggy chicks just bounce up and down on a raft. Basically. I mean, this is basically the intermission of the man show just in a classroom. And I'm here for it uh, because Rod has Jesse and Kelly lie on the floor so that AC and Zach can practice CPR. But now before Mr. Belding comes in all cockblockish, uh, Mr. Belding says that doesn't look like CPR. It's a little like foreplay and y'all need to get to class. Uh, and Zach tells Belding to not be mad at Rod. He's a great teacher. And Belding says he should care more about teaching and less about being popular. And Zach tells him that maybe he's jealous of all the juice his baby bro is as at Bayside now. Uh, say that five times fast. I mean, baby bro has that Bayside. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just again, Belding just taking just straight shots to the gut, dude. Just Rod's fuck. I'm sure there were times in his life where he had to hear like Rod fucking in some other room and he was just like. <laughs> I wish that was me. Yeah, exactly. A lot of that. And now Zach's like, you're just jealous, dude. Look at this guy. He's got the hair you want. He's got the dick you want. This guy's fucking chicks and getting fucking good ass jobs all day long. So fuck you, Mr. Belding, which it's got to hurt. I mean, he's put he all the have time to buy in. Pocket pussies. <laughs> I don't like that, Steve. I don't think I don't think Rod's got a pocket pussy, Steve. No, I think his pocket me. pussy is a girl named Charlene that he just gives a call to and she's like, "Oh, Rod." He ain't got no pocket pussy. He's got a pocket full of pussies. And uh I I get I get the fact that AC is the yoke one of the bunch, but he must show the guns at all costs. And I do believe this getup that he was wearing with, with the cutoff top is the same thing Marcy Darcy wore in, in some episode of Married with Children. I feel like that has happened. This Looks like some shit up. that the men on film would be watching. Three words. Fab, you love <laughs> Like, it's very gay zookeeper. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. AC was probably, I mean, he don't give a fuck. At this point, AC's just had it all. It's like a Billy Idol situation, or not Billy Idol, what's the guy? Whatever. It's like fucking Mick Jagger. He's had it all, Steve. So maybe he's just going to go try some fucking different flavored ice cream and just say, fuck it, because I've, you know, I got to do something. Yeah, he does. He does look like he's going to like a bar called the, you know, the pit stop or you know some vague like, <laughs> like the manhole 
construction. <laughs> now, Milton tells everyone that the buses have arrived. <laughs> However, no one's seen Rod yet. Uh, so Zach goes to look for him and figures maybe he's in Belding's office. As he approaches the office, he overhears Belding's conversation with Rod. And they're supposed to be leaving and the kids are depending on him, uh, Richard says, the older one. And he's like, come on, Richie, they'll get over it. Apparently, Rod is giving the kids the shaft <laughs> so that he can dig down some stewards. And not just any stewards. This is Inga. And she's a tan. Mm. I mean, that Swedish stewardess has to get some dick that day. So, I mean, these kids, fuck them. You know, yeah. fuck it. Do Take them, do whatever you got to, because I got to get in this. So, building is like, dude, not again, dude. Not again. I'm Rod. I got hoes in different area codes. <laughs> dude, Rod, you got to fucking be stand up. And Rod's like, you know what, dude? I mean, these kids don't care. I got I just got to get that pussy. So Tell sorry, dude. Sorry. For me. sorry. Hey, you. dude, sorry. I'm a baller. Sorry, dude. Baller alert. Bye. Got to go. Like, I've covered for you enough. Get the fuck out of Bayside High and never come back. So Rod leaves in a huff. And he doesn't even see Zach. Like, he just leaves. So Zach's just, like, sitting against the lockers outside Belding's door. And he just watches Rod walk away. And uh, I feel like he just goes back to the group after that, right? He doesn't talk to Belding at that moment. He just is like, man, fuck this. He doesn't talk to anybody because Kelly asks him, like, dude, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 fuck off. And Belding comes in. He's like... Like, look, man, Rod can't take the trip because he got the flu. He's very sorry. Uh, and now their hope shattered. The students prepare to head back home. But Mr. Belding says that even though he's not a rafting expert like Rod, or even as cool of a dude, he's down to escort the kids on the trip, even though they shitted on his Yosemite plans because Zach Morris is trash. Dude, and I mean, Belding, what a stand-up guy. Because I, at this point, I'd be like, man, fuck, especially Zach. Fuck you. I'm embarrassed. You can be embarrassing at home just w- fucking pulling at your pud while you thought you were going on this trip. But and Zach, Zach asked Belding, why didn't he tell the truth about his brother uh, who'd rather give the rod to some stewardess? And Belding knows how much Rod meant to Zach, and he didn't want to make him upset, despite the fact that Zach shitted on him throughout this whole episode. Uh, Zach apologizes for being a piece of shit, uh, and Belding says Rod was always the more exciting brother. But Zach says, yeah, we got the better one. Yeah, they Thanks, Zach. Thank you. I've been waiting to hear that my whole life. He fucked my wife, man. <laughs> but they do get the better building, Steve. And they get, like, I. we could only hope to have teachers as good. We didn't have teachers as good. I'll tell you Mr. right now. Mr. Ricard was my favorite. Mr. Ricard? Yeah, I don't remember him, but, you know, I don't remember anybody at Perrysburg as far as a teacher, except... Uh, Senora Teen, she was hot. Yeah, she was. I didn't think, take Spanish either. Mm. But anyway, salute to the real building, the the real deal building. And I mean, Rod, he probably c- contracted many uh, STDs throughout after this episode. I mean, we were decades in. I mean, Rod's probably not looking this good. Mm. Um, but you know, he's getting it. <laughs> salute to a true coxman okay because he he puts pussy over everything steve and they say this episode was a turning point for uh zach and mr belling's relationship you know because for you know throughout up to this point he was always the antagonist trying to stop zach's ploys and schemes and this was kind of like a uh, a bonding moment for the first time on the show so yeah 
It was like that character in all college and high school. It's like the angry Dean that's like always foiling all your cool plans and shit. You know, it's like you always got to have an authoritarian. And this is when they became friends, Steve, because obviously Zach saw, oh, you've been cucked out by your little brother for your whole life. So here's some flowers. You're the better belding. Maybe this is why it was on a Sunday, because it was special. Oh, Game Boy Play It Loud series. What color is yours? Now, you know who probably didn't watch this episode, The Belding Brothers, on this Sunday on December 9, 1990, man? Rod Belding, because he just doesn't give a fuck, Steve. Or probably New York Giant Otis Anderson, who became the eighth person to rush for 10,000 yards. Otis Anderson. I don't I don't even remember that name, but shout out to Otis. It's crazy. I haven't either. I'm not as much of a historian as I thought. Uh, the man's not even in a suit in the uh, Hall of Fame, but yet he's a two time Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP, first time, first team All Pro, second team All Pro, two time Pro Bowl uh, and NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, NFL Comeback Player of the Year. And he just murdered his son last week. <laughs> oh, my God. Otis. Dude, Otis, you were doing so good. You were on a roll, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I didn't expect that, is, that. I didn't expect that last part, Steve. You kind of caught me off guard there. Well, I didn't either, because as I was doing my research throughout the week, and I was like, okay, this was a thing on 1990. Otis Anderson, oh, he's done all of that. Never heard of the guy. Uh, and then a couple days after, uh, I get an article, Otis Anderson Jr., uh, who was also a football player, was murdered by who? Oh, Otis Anderson Sr. Damn, some Marvin Gaye shit? Damn, dude. What's Marvin Gaye shit. Uh, so, yeah, the, the argument sparked because of the, the son's girlfriend's dog. Uh, this is what all sparked it and it escalated in the kitchen and uh, the dad left Otis Anderson senior left went to the garage came back and shot his son in the chest damn what happened there guys just, I don't think it was just the dog Steve I gotta just but you know that guy looks like he's a little angry he looks like he's a little bit perturbed in that photo and he's probably very perturbed on that day so that's I've learned a lesson to not fuck with that guy. Uh, and obviously not bring a dog around him either. Fuck that. And of Florida <laughs> does it again. Um, well, he said it was self-defense, but hey. Oh, okay. Well, I, I wasn't there, so. <laughs> Let the jury decide. Well, in 1992, Cincinnati Reds owner Marv Schott apologizes for racist remarks. And man, pick one. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, what remark? Because I feel like Marge Shaw probably had a lot of racist remarks over her time. And probably she's dead now, right? Oh, yeah, she's dead, dead, like disco. She was old as fuck, like in the 90s. She looked like the Crypt Keeper. Yep. Yep. A lot of butts. God, I just love an old lady that just fucking smokes butts, though. I love that. It's a great oh, look. Smelling oh like a God. fucking bowling alley for the 
geriatric bowling alley shit, dude. I mean, look at her. This woman owned a baseball team. She looks like Mickey Rooney now. <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah, she apologized on this day on December 9th, 1992. Um and she had said some things about uh, Native Americans. She said some things about Blacks, okay. uh, even uh, two of her players, uh, one of them being Ooh. Eric Dickerson, or Eric, Eric Davis, I mean. Um, she I'm going to say, Eric uh, Dickerson played fucking baseball? God damn, I fucking missed out on that. Yeah, maybe he should have. <clears throat> well, uh, I mean, Marge Shaw was just like, you know, probably just just cranking down shots just hitting butts just smoking and drinking and just you know i'm not surprised she was saying some racist shit she looks very much like you know a typical person of that southern ohio vintage you know uh, she said that it's probably accurate that she treats people like dogs and her dogs like people oh wow Great. See, that's really what you want out of a, of somebody just that's a business owner at all. Just somebody's just spouting off like that. So, wow. And she looks. Remember, uh, remember the taxi driver in uh, that Bill Murray Christmas movie? Oh my God, Scrooge. Yeah, she looks like that dude. She's got that vibe, you know. Buster Mathis or Buster Poindexter or some shit. Oh my. <laughs> you pulled out. I don't even expect you to have that. So salute to that. But yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, at least she apologized, I guess. I mean, I feel like she apologized and maybe said something racist right after the apology. Uh, but oh you my, know. yeah. Yeah. You already know. <laughs> Uh, but on December 9, 1994, Drive Zone premiered in theaters. A tough cop teams up with a professional skydiver to capture a renegade computer hacker on the run from the law. It stars Wesley Snipes, Gary Busey, Yancey Butler, directed by John Badham. And from, I didn't watch this, Steve, but from what I remember, this movie had a great trailer, and that was about it. You this know. is around the time when Wesley was crushing it, man. Uh, Demolition Man had came out, New Jack City, White Men Can't Jump. Um, yeah, man. And this is before Blade. Passenger 57 also, just to Passenger throw another 57. one out there. That was a great one. And I, I mean, this was, well, was there was a lot of these like point breakish movies where it was like some uh, X game shit, but it was in an action movie. And I, I mean, I do remember, I think a car was released out of the back of a plane and there was something going on with that. Um, but, you know, another great movie in a plane or in the air, like a Con Air type situation. I don't remember the exact storyline, but I love me anything Wesley Snipes. So I'll, I'll, maybe I'll watch this tonight. If it's available, man. And on that same day, uh, Disclosure, in theaters, a computer specialist is sued for sexual harassment by a former lover turned boss who initiated the act forcefully, which threatens both his career and his personal life. Directed by Barry Levinson, starring the coochie monster himself, Michael Douglas, Demi Moore, Donald Sutherland, Caroline Goodall, and Dennis Schmeller, babe. Yeah, babe. Male rape isn't right, babes. Because basically this movie was... Uh, Michael Douglas is the one getting sexually harassed. It's reverse. It's what it's the reverse. The norm, Steve. Okay. Demi Moore is just all over that cock. And she just <laughs> that's basically this whole movie. Uh, I didn't remember Dennis Miller was in it. I'm pretty sure maybe I busted to this movie because I think it has Demi Moore just acting real slutty. Um, 
and I like that. And uh, this is another one of those weird sexual 90s movies that that's all it was. It was just like a lot of two hours of them leading up to showing a titty and something sexual happening. And then, you know, then you bust Breaking and you turn it off. Sexual taboos in the 90s, babe. <laughs> Who said a guy couldn't get raped, babe? I mean, it's like the fucking Trojan horse with the fucking Dalai Lama. I'm not good with Dennis Miller impersonations, but it's like Saved by the Bell Picasso, babe. (laughs) Like, like, like Lisa Turtles teaching watercolors, babe. What? (laughs) All right, Dennis, just keep go back to the net, okay? Go back to the. I'm on the net. Yeah, babe. That's still one of my best. That's your best impersonation, Steve. I'll I'll take that to the grave. You're Dennis Miller. You you somehow had never seen a movie and in five seconds did a reenactment of the whole movie. It was amazing. Uh, But on that same day in 94, Tekken debuted in arcades. Uh, First time talking about a video game. And uh, I remember playing this on the first PlayStation. Uh, the graphics are shite uh, looking back now. Um, who was your favorite? I was a king guy. Uh, I was like, la- who's the guy with the leopard head? Because that was my guy. I that's think king. That, that's king. Yeah. I mean, I was all about this game was like, uh, there was another game called Virtual Fighter that was of a similar kind of game. Uh, but yeah, I didn't have PlayStation. I was a Nintendo guy. So, you know. I didn't didn't play Tekken other than the arcade, and I always picked the guy with the leopard head. But I sucked at this game, so I didn't play it a lot. In Martial Law, I remember picking him from time to time. Martial Law, I believe, was like the Bruce Lee kind of character. Yeah. I I mean, I remember Yoshimitsu, because you showed him that robot guy with the sword. That guy was dope looking. But, uh, you know, shout out to Tekken, because I think it's still a game. I think it's still something. I think they're continuing oh, yeah. to make these fucking things. So, Obviously, with the better graphics. Yeah, it doesn't look like a bunch of balls. It's like <laughs> it's very blocky. I remember when PlayStation came out, there was a game that looked like this called Battle Arena Toshinden. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that game. 3D fighter game. But... How delusional looking back we were to be like, this looks like real life. This looks amazing. Like back in the day, we were like, oh my God, look at that. It's 3D. Like when Mario was 3D, I mean, I almost busted a fucking nut, dude. Yeah. You could see around him. Oh my God. What? Oh my God. The sparks. But you know who probably wasn't watching Disclosure or Drop Zone or playing Tekken in the arcades on 1994, December 9th, Matthew? Mm-mm. Probably U.S. Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders, who resigned after comments about masturbation. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, How good it known- is? Man, maybe. Uh, because she's best known for her frank discussion of her views on drug legalization, masturbation, and distributing contraceptions in schools. Um so I don't know, maybe she was in the arcades. Uh, you know, she she's not going in schools anymore. Hey kids, uh, after you play tech and here's some here's some rubbers. Go bust. Um, Just start beating it. I mean, I think I remember this. I think it was something like pro masturbation where it was just like yeah. people were like, You can't be doing this. You these kids are busting all over the place as it is. 
Jocelyn, thank you. I, I was fully supportive of this as a youngster. I, please, by all means, give me a reason not to think I'm going to go blind every time I pull up my fucking yank. To prevent teenage pregnancy. I think that was the, the main motive, man. Um, you know, and she was concerned with young diabetic women also being pregnant. Um, yeah, she hmm. says that young teen women who have diabetes get pregnant and they have a high chance of their bodies rejecting the fetus um, or the fetus developing abnormalities in the utero, in utero. Yeah. Hmm. Well, but her anybody who's in support of busting a nut, I'm fully, you know, give this woman just a hand. Literally. Yeah, Literally. Uh, and in 1995, on December 9th, Walker, Texas Ranger is airing the episode The Covenant. A local gang is destroying businesses and starting turf wars. They threaten a boy in Walker's karate class and force him to join the gang. The Rangers must save the boy and stop the turf wars. And I didn't expect to like this, Steve. I, like I said, watched this with my grandmother as a youngster and always thought it was cheesy even back then, but... I, this made me laugh. I was very high when I watched this, but oh, yeah, what same. I got to watch, I don't know if I even saw the whole episode, but I saw them enough. And I just the level of audacity that this show had, whoever I'm assuming maybe Chuck Norris just wrote this whole thing. He's like, now I'm going to go kick the ass of everybody in town and this and that. It's like, this doesn't make any sense, but it's, so magical so shout out to Ch not only did he create a great fitness system for old people he was out here beating trollos up back in the 90s steve doctor in the dallas fort worth area now, and uh i didn't know it was i didn't know fort worth was you lived in texas steve was the were you just surrounded by cholo gangs at all times was that what the um, <laughs> the vibe well, or I was in Houston and I didn't want to be around a black gangsters, a cholos, uh, the Yakuza, <laughs> any of that shit, because I'm just a square guy. You know, I smoke my weed from time to time, but I have a job that I need to get to. I need to live to make it to that job. Yeah, um, I get that. So, yeah, that shit existed. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, CD, the local bartender, um, who is, I believe, Wilford Brimley's twin of some kind um wholeheartedly yeah he, this is the vibe he's he's just a texas guy he's very much you know i think it's actually if you remember this is a deep cut but uh i think this guy was in uh ace ventura as the coach of the dolphins fillet up and fast food it if you want to all i give a damn about winning the super bowl I think it was the same guy. But anyway, CD's, he, it's Christmas time, Steve. It's time to set up those decorations. And CD's the local barman. He owns a bar. Everyone loves him. And these uh, young ragamuffin cholos come in. And they're doing the, the whole mafia thing. They're like, be a little shame if this bar just burnt down. And then they just start like lighting matches and breaking yeah. shit. Breaking tables. Um, and CD's not having it. CD's like, I've seen my fair share of cholos in my day. And he just pulls out the gun. I'm not black, I'm OJ. I mean, this dude comes yeah. packing some heat, which I is another very Texas thing. So I, I, I think this is very accurate. So the cholos leave. Um, And tr I, I mean, CD literally couldn't give two fucks. He has to pull a gun on some young tough guys 
gets yeah. these gangsters to leave and then he's like i gotta keep decorating this fucking bar and then instantly he's in a back into being in a festive mood he, he pulled out this fucking barrel in front of these trollos <laughs> who just basically tried to shake him down asking for a hundred dollars a week and it's like, oh, now that they're going, oh, it's a new day. Like, all that shit, man. It's like, wait, what? Uh, back to this. So now those cholos, they just got beat by an old man. I mean, and as a gang, you just can't. These cholos are like, yo, man, I don't, I don't know if I could do this, Steve. Am I allowed to just do this impersonation? Or oh yeah, I, I should have gave a disclaimer because we both might get canceled for this, man. But uh, the lady, there, there's a lady that was with CD Parker, and she calls someone. Um, you know, right after he pulls out that goddamn it, and like you said, the Cholos were like, "Man, we can't let that man punk us, man." And then they see him trotting out, just trotting out the back exit. Couldn't give a fuck, him. Steve. He's uh, dude. I, you know what? In my mind, I was like, this would have fucked up my whole day. If I had to pull a gun on somebody, I'd be like in a room, like, oh "God, I can't believe I just did that. I got to go home." But this guy doesn't even. I don't even know if he remembers. Call the cops, maybe, right after you had to pull a fucking gun in your place of business. I mean, you know, that But part... these cholos aren't fucking around, Steve. Hector, Hector from Friday, he fuck, fuck the angel dust. He's all, no. he's out here and he's trying to collect bodies. He's trying to collect turf. And instead of letting just, you know, let this roll off your back, take the loss. Him and his cholo buddies just sit out back. And as soon as they see CD come out of the back, they run this motherfucker over, and what I can only say is one of the most brutal um, car assaults I've ever seen on TV. Because yeah. it's a, it's you see Wilford Brimley get just fucking straight up launched in the air, <laughs> which makes this probably the funniest part of this episode. Um, you know, not they not only pulled up on him, they had to run him over in that eighty-four brown. <laughs> Yo, man, we got to get this motherfucking old man, man. So they run his ass over. And the these guys, they're not fucking around. I mean, CD thought he had that one one, but he lost. No, so he right in, he's got, I mean, there's old man parts everywhere. His cowboy boots fucking half a block down the road. And then Walker comes in his fucking shit kicker truck. It's like the Batmobile in Fort Worth. You know when Walker's coming down the street because he's in that fucking Dodge Ram. You know he's got he's got that Ram 150. Oh, oh, is that what it is? I is don't that, know what it is. I don't know. It, since it's Texas, I thought it was an F 150. Oh, okay. Truck, well, maybe the I don't know. Truck of Texas. <laughs> but he gets out and CDs his boy. I think CDs his bro. Yeah. And he sees his fallen brother and him and his, uh, he has a partner named Trevitt, who's a black yeah. cowboy. Um, they assist CD. And you think this old man's dead. He got hit at full speed by that fucking low rider, but Not cut CD. to the hospital and CD's just, he's fine, dude. He got, a, he's got was, the brace on, but he's all right. He's fine. Yeah. He's got his senses. He was like, I was getting to my car, singing some Merle Haggard saves Christmas. And then all of a sudden, I went ass over tea kettle. I'm not going to be able to go to my Christmas party. And that would have been damn important to me. <laughs> That's all he gives a fuck about. He's like, God, I just wish I could be at that damn party, you know? So it's like, I just wait my whole, all year. It's just like, it's my favorite time of year, Walker. I just love it. And Walker tells CD to cool his jowls and because he's really chuck norris ladies and gentlemen i don't know if you knew that uh, walker is really chuck norris and they say that when chuck norris bites into a black mamba they <laughs> die two days later 
So Chuck Norris just, you know, and I, we we didn't even, we said it a little bit, but I'm going to just restate it. At this point in the show, they do the theme song in the intro, and it's one of the dumbest, be, I mean, whoever let Chuck Norris sing the theme song to this, it just needs to just lay off the blow, guys. Just lay off of it. But it is kind of funny just to hear him like, because the eyes of a ranger are upon you. I mean, I'm doing a better job than he did, Steve. I don't even want to yeah. sing it like that. I'd rather get my ass kicked by Chuck Norris than hear him sing. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? But, you know, this is Chuck's town. This is Walker's town. So... Not only is this, like, he's already aware of these cholos and this gang, uh, yeah. but they're, now it's now it's hitting a little too close to home. CD's laid up. He ain't going to be able to fucking kiss some chick under some mistletoe and get fucked up on eggnog. He's laid up. Yeah, man. And Walker wants to get them on the right path because he cares about the youth. What about the babies? Save the babies? I don't want yeah. I don't want these babies getting beat into the Vatos Locos like that. I can't have this yeah. community just fall. And so Walker, as a man of karate, as a man of the martial arts, um, he has a school for karate, Steve. Yeah. And it's a very uh it's buttoned up. It's very obviously he's Chuck Norris. This man he's is Chuck Norris. Expert. He he don't half ass, yeah. Yeah. So um Actually, I I think I went ahead a little bit. Go ahead. No, we're right there. Pick we're me. right there. Are we right they're, there? They're, they're giving martial arts lessons, and uh, Walker notices that Ricardo, or as I like to call him, Uno Brow, doesn't have his. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Like so, <laughs> Ricardo says. Ricardo says his baby sister was killed in a drive-by shooting, and he put the belt in her coffin to take with her to heaven. Walker gives <laughs> Ricardo a new belt. He should have gave him dose. That's some real shit. Dude, Steven, he came out this kid. He's like, where's your belt at, dude? You know the yeah, rules. Yeah. You're a purple belt. You should know better. Instead, I was like, what is this kid's excuse that the gang took it? He's like, Mr. Chuck Norris, <laughs> my sister died and I gave her my... I'd be like, God damn, dude. What the fuck? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, here's another one. I have several. Hey, hey assistant, get this kid another should have got him should have gave him dose i mean don't even just give him the purple belt that he's at just upgrade him one way upgrade whatever's above purple be like you know what you get to go up because you're sitting you that was a huge l and i'm about to cry myself so god damn it give this kid a blue belt or whatever the fuck's after purple because i noticed there's a sign uh in his dojo that says kick drugs out of america and uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, back in the 90s, there was a day when Chuck Norris single-handedly roundhoused all of the drugs out of America. That happened. That was a thing. And uh, just the day before Pablo Escobar died, he restored everyone's drugs, all the marijuanas, all the weeds. It, it, it was a, a crazy time in the 90s, man. And that's why they killed Pablo Escobar. It's like, dude, we just, we just got rid of all the drugs in America. And then like you got them back in the people's homes. Like Chuck Norris just roundhouse kicked all the meth, all of the crack, all the cocaine, all the weed. Like, oh, we got to kill you now. Um, but yeah, they don't want to tell you that in the history books. They don't want to have that conversation. Actually, Chuck Norris is who killed Pablo Escobar. They sent him down there because that's where a ranger's going to be. <laughs> 
Chuck Norris trains unicorns how to fight Mike Tyson. And I mean, I agree. I Chuck Norris fucks you. Like, I thought I was fucking Chuck Norris one night. Turns out he was fucking me. And that's what happens, Steve. He just turns it around. No matter what, he's always going to win, Steve. Cholo gangs, fucking teen angst, a little kid fighting to remember the memory of his dead sister who got killed in a drive-by. I mean, that's the other thing, Steve. If Walker is a Texas Ranger and he's living in Fort Worth, why is it gone to so fully to shit that kids are just dying in drive-bys constantly? I mean, it, from this episode, it seems like the Vatos Locos are just pulling drive-bys every day. Randomly, man. I mean, it's fucked well, up. He had, I, I mean, I, he, I'm not coming to Fort Worth. I don't know if I'm into this, Steve. It doesn't seem like a great place. Well, well, he had everything on lock, man. He had everything under control. And that's why he's trying to, like, get to this before it boils to a simmer. But Trivet, his buddy, is like, dude, you're taking this a little too personal, Walker. I'm, I'm getting a little worried about you because you keep having, you keep falling asleep and having these weird dreams. And I'm getting worried that Ma, you might have to kill a motherfucker. And I don't want to have you to do that because we're lawmen. And, and Walker notices Tommy's been putting in work in that dojo. And he says his brother Ernesto's been helping him. And Ernesto was one of Walker's best students. And he just got promoted to manager at Phil's Garage. Uh, Walker says that the best thing that happened to him was getting out of that game. And we cut back to CD at the hospital and he's going through like a photo album lineup and he spots the main culprit that came to his office, Sonny Portillo. Better known as Hector, the, the fucking angel dust selling or smoking guy from Friday, who and I wasn't instantly realizing that that was the same person. He's very young in this episode, Steve. He was Hector and Moesha as well, and Paco in 187, Juan <laughs> in the Wash. And in this episode of Walker, Texas Ranger, he's Sonny Portillo, the leader of the Vatos Locos. And uh, Wilford Brimley's brother wants to know where that fucker is. And Walker says, you leave Sonny Portillo to me. Mm. I'll just give me five minutes, CD. You'll be back kissing mistletoe and fucking Santa in no time. So he go, I mean... Walker's fully in at this point. He knows what's going on. He knows that there's this gang in town. And he's even, you can tell he's a little worried about Tommy. He's like, okay, you got your brothers out, but I'm worried. You getting hassled? You getting hassled by them vatos, bud? But Tommy's no. adamant. He's like, nah, nah, Not Walker, it's all good. So we cut to Tommy. He he's actually goes to visit Ernesto at, a, I believe it's a car wash or yeah. Uh, mechanic, some uh, auto body shop or something and Ernesto he's like doing stuff talking to Ernesto he goes outside who comes up in the low rider Steve Sonny brah sub he's, like uh, he's like the Everest guy for street games I mean and, uh, yeah he's like oh man you know you don't want to just be practicing karate doing little kid shit you want to wear hot ass flannel in the humid ass Texas heat yo it's a lifestyle essay it's a lifestyle okay. <laughs> Dude, so he's fucking putting the heavy sales pitch on Tommy, but Tommy's like, nah, man, I ain't into that. And then Ernesto comes out and he's like, yo, Sonny, man, fuck off. Get out of here. I already, you beat me out of the gang. I'm out. This lifestyle ain't for us. So get your little bitch ass out of here. So Sonny takes another L. I mean, this guy for a gangster, he's taking a lot of weird uh, L's for a thug. He already, yeah. Wilford Brimley already cocooned his ass out of the fucking bar. <laughs> you you ran him over, but up. I mean, that's gotta, he's gotta just like step up. So he's like, yeah. you know what? Okay. 
leaves. But then, Steve, it's all like the straight, we're getting into the nitty gritty well, here. <laughs> well, Sonny and the Vatos, locals, they do a drive-by on their ops. The, uh, was it the Diamantes? Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, Tommy and Ernesto are getting a Christmas tree from out of the truck as they're talking to their mother who's standing at the window. And again, Sonny and the Vatos locals do a slide-by to fill Ernesto with holes like El Queso. These are, this is a bunch of Razor Ramones just running around, just fucking. I mean, they these are indiscriminately. They're just going from drive by to drive by. They're not even taking a break. They literally yeah. maybe got a soda someplace and then fucking shot up Ernesto. I thought he's dead. I yeah, mean, I it, this is just fully just like a nightmare situation in Fort Worth. But Ernesto, thankfully, these guys aren't great shots. I mean, they could have. They were maybe ten feet away. Um, yeah. He got hit. Uh, they go to the hospital and it's, you know, it's hit or miss. I mean, he's still alive, but Tommy is just, he's Come not on, feeling man. it. And but, here's the thing, in, Steve, they don't even no. know who did it. They're not aware of actually who is responsible for the drive-by at this point. Because when Tommy's waiting in the waiting room, uh, in walks Kung Lao's stepdad. Uh, it, man, I do like his hat, though. What, what is that? Velvet? Velvet? Uh, he, he asked Tommy who it was that shot his brother. And Tommy says it was the Diamantes because that's what they shouted out. And now Ernesto is out of the surgery and he's in ICU. He's critical, but he's not conscious. And Walker's like, God damn it. Time for me to go hit the Diamantes up because that's what Walker's got to do. So everyone thinks it's the Diamantes. And what the Diamantes are like the local <laughs> fucking blood gang. And yeah. uh, continue. Yeah, they're seeking revenge, and uh, there's a gentleman who I felt was ill-fit for this role, uh, and he says that Sonny Portillo is mine. Uh, that crap is going to get wasted. And as he says that, the man <laughs> in the black hat pulls up in his F-150, the official truck of Texas, and he tells, and he tells Guzman uh, that he's there to arrest him for the shooting of Ernesto Lopez, as well as being an Asian man portraying a cholo. Uh, there was a, yeah, yeah the, you sh- that, that's like three felonies that should be there. Uh, it, it, there was a positive ID on his vehicle, but apparently Guzman doesn't have that car anymore because he got jacked. Yo, man, you don't know, man. I sold that shit like a week ago. Yeah, he tells I, I gotta that, stop now. I'm yeah. gonna get. This is it. That's it. He, he he reported it. He told Walker, and he said the cops love him so much they dropped their donuts just to find it. <laughs> so yeah i mean I, whatever i think the direction and the actors for this was like <laughs> hey turn it up to a thousand and cholo level we need you to yeah. be as cholo as like you can hear the noise that guy with the bandana is making right now he's saying essay right now he says essay like a thousand times in this conversation, Steve. That's it. That's his gangster pal, uh, Paco. And his fellow gangster buddy pal, Paco, says that he was with Guzman all last night, as they all were. And they didn't know who did that. And uh, Paco says that Walker was always his favorite cop. He's always been a straight up dude with him. So I'm being straight up with you. Uh, I will stop this gang war from happening. But if they pop up on our turf again, it's going dying. And 
Bago agrees that they'll stay on their turf, man. Uh, now, cut to Walker uh, going to the Vatos Locos hangout. Uh, and he stopped by the doorman, I guess, and he says, it's a private club and we don't allow visitors, essay. Yeet! <laughs> yeah, dude, fuck you. I'm yeah. fucking Chuck yeah. Norris. What do you fucking think this yeah. is? Not, yeah, quick word. Is it, he bulletproof, be... Steve? Because this guy does not, I, you know, I know there's cops that are tough and I know you have a badge and whatnot, but I feel like you can't just go trampsing around like, uh, hey, blood gang, what's up? I'm one yeah. guy. Like, they can make you disappear. So this guy's got well, some yeah. balls on him. It, his goatee is made out of vibranium. And <laughs> uh, Walker kicks in the door while Sonny is slow dancing with the only chick <clears throat> present in a circle of homies. Uh, yeah, they're I'm, just I'm watching. The they're just watching him do that. Yeah. I mean, what the? <laughs> what kind of gang is this? Yeah, I mean, he's giving ballroom lessons, fucker. And Sonny says he must be somebody if Walker's coming to visit. And you are somebody, Sonny. You're the guy that smoked PCP with Chris Tucker. And Walker says he's taking Sonny in for extortion and for the attempted murder of C.E. Parker. Sonny says it's going to take an army to pull that off. And Walker says he's all the army he's going to need. He takes Sonny away as he's telling the homies to hold it down. And they're like, oh, okay, we're, we're totally not going to try to bang your girlfriend while you're locked up. <laughs> yeah. We'll make sure she's warm, Essay. Yeah, and then he's all like, he's just like, yo, I'll be back in a couple hours. So they take him downtown and uh, they're questioned. They're giving, I mean, every, there's like five cops in Fort Worth and they're all questioning Sonny and he's playing it cool. He's very much like, you yeah. know what? I don't give a fuck, whatever. I, I, I'm not a gangster. I forget what he says. But anyway, um, I think at some point after, like he does get out. I mean, they basically just question him unnecessarily and then release him. Basically. Oh, yeah. He bailed out. And then they find Tommy, Tommy, who uh, now I believe thinks that it was the blood gang, the whatever they're called. The Diamantes. He thinks yeah. it's the Diamantes. So now he thinks his brother was shot up by them, not Sonny, the actual culprit. And now Sonny's using that to his advantage. Cause now he's like, yo man, like you gotta get some revenge, Jesse. Motherfucker pops up again like Candyman. <laughs> like he just is yeah. waiting. Like, are you stalking this kid, dude? Like, is this kid like the golden child of thuggery? There's other kids to wreak havoc on and try to like get into this gang. Like, why is yeah? Is he the chosen kid? It's, just to it's Tommy, man. You know, the scrolls say he's the most cholo, man. He's the chosen one. <laughs> like, what? I'd be like, yo, man, we already killed his brother. We're good. Like, let's stop. Come on. So he gets. He tells Tommy, even the Bible says an eye for an eye, loco. You don't avenge your brother, you're nobody. And then Tommy hops in the ride, like fucking Trey. And he and has uh, like a little fat buddy who's like, Tommy, don't do it. And he's like, yo, shut up, man, bitch ass. What's your, boo? What's your moves? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like me if I was just like a, of Spanish descent back in the day. It looked like a young, fat Spanish, Matt. This no, Tommy. They jumped this kid. That's like child endangerment. These are grown men beating on this like pre-adolescent. Welcome to the clique, uh, man. Like, where's where's fucking uh, uh, Conan at? I was just like, the level that they're putting on these cholos, like just the everything. I was like, Conan's right around the corner someplace. He's at a WCW event, but he's part of this gang. So Getting bowdy, bowdy, rowdy, rowdy. <laughs> 
Oh, but I mean, keep going. Sorry. And Walker asked Carlo where Tommy is. He says he thinks he's getting jumped into the Vatos Locos. And he finds Tommy, whose face is all bruised up. And he asks what happened to him. And this motherfucker said he fell. I fell a lot. You fall from a hell in a cell? Uh, now, he's like, man, fuck all that good guy shit, man. My brother has tubes in his nose, and he doesn't even know he's peeing in a plastic bag. So get every kind of fuck out of here. I, like, I got to get them dudes who got my brother. And Tommy and the other two kids are tagging a building. I, I guess that's the next phase of this gang apprenticeship. Um, now, Tommy sees Walker and flees the scene. And... And, uh, yeah, this whole, like, tagging thing is a very high profile there's a there's a specific like uh spanish detective and he comes in he's like yo man the city's about to blow up all these tags everywhere the vatos locos are all yeah. over the like the shit's about to go down walker like this shit's popping off yeah so walker's all up in his fields and he's he's got now it's to the point where he has to take i mean chuck norris is gonna have to single-handedly take this into his own hands steve I mean, fuck the bullshit. Fuck all this backup he has. Fuck Trevitt. Fuck all like this other like three detectives in this police force. Fuck cops in general because I don't see a lot of them. It's just Walker shit kicking around, and uh, he's gonna have to take some matters into his own hands. Walker and style. At, at this point, he's certain that it was Sonny. Like when when he realizes that both uh, shootings were from the same gun. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot Parker. about that because yeah. Trevitt does that like AOL Windows 95 examination of the yeah. bullet and he's like, look, the same bullet was used in both shootings. So we know Sonny is in fact the man with the gun. So we got to go get him. But see, not everybody knows this, Steve. Tommy, fully in now, He's he's got a gat. I mean, this motherfucker's got like the biggest cannon of everybody. He must be the gold yeah. child. They're getting ready to ride on these fools, Steve. It's about to go down. And he tells the Diamantes to like, hey, hold it, man. I know they jumped your fence or whatever, but give me an hour. And really, he doesn't even need that because he's Walker. He's fucking Walker, the Texas Ranger, dude. I wonder if he listens to his song as he's riding up to, uh, you know, like he's just riding around Fort Worth, listening to the Walker theme song right before he whoops that ass. I think that's what happens. That's, I mean, or Undertaker. And um, the, the Locos, they, they spot Walker approaching them with their guns drawn. And he's just casually approaching them just like the Undertaker. It tells Sonny he's under arrest for attempted murder. Uh, he tried to kill Ernesto Lopez and blamed it on the Diamantes. Now, Sonny pulls the strap on Walker with the other cops waiting off in the cut. And, and Walker says that he'll fight all of the Vatos Locos. And if they beat him, he'll let him away scot-free. And since they're strength in numbers, Sonny thinks that this is a layup. But oh no. Uh, Sonny, uh, Mr. Walker studied under Bruce Lee. He was on the fourth, and Bruce Lee was on the third. I mean, this motherfucker thought, I mean, I don't know who you thought this was, dude. I don't know anybody who's crazy enough to be like, I'll fight all of you. Um, you know, I'd have a little hesitancy. He also, I don't know if we covered, said this, but uh, Walker does tell Tommy that Sonny was the guy who actually shot his brother. So Tommy's like fully yeah. ready to be like, he gets the news and doesn't even realize. He's just like, oh, fuck this guy. And he just is ready to walk away. And uh, Sonny's like, yo, man, what the fuck are you doing? And it's like, you can see Sonny sort of losing his hold on all these people, you know? And then Walker yeah. just comes in and straight starts whooping that ass, dude. And, and Sonny's the first to go down. Uh, Easy words. 
yeah, he swings, misses, and is swept like a rag doll. Next guy catches a tornado punch. Next guy catches a roundhouse, roadhouse kick, uh, leg sweep, hip toss, side slam with a punch to the face on the way down. Sonny comes to. Sonny finally comes to and pulls out a switchblade. But now Tommy's got a gun. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I Walker, Texas Ranger at this point is single handedly whooping a Cholo gang into non-existence, Steve. Not only is he beating their ass, but he's demoralizing them to the point where they're actually questioning their loyalty to gang life in general. So, I mean, Chuck Norris is just a hero at this point. He's not even flinching over this blade that he picked up. He's like, man, <laughs> fuck this either, blade. So like you can't stab through it, a son. cowboy boot, son. Watch this. Crack. <laughs> he fucking casually kicks the blade out of Sonny's hand and Roundhouse kicks him in the gut and Roundhouse kicks him in the face. And he just, he got him like all in his shit. I paused oh. it. Like he connected fucking Dude. Shawn Michaels is blushing. Like, got them all in here he took i mean he saw you saw what cd looked like all fucked up at the beginning of this episode he's like oh you hit my boy with a car i'm about to hit you with this fucking size whatever boot this shit kicker is about to just take it all out so i mean i'm just glad that i wasn't in this gang steve i don't think they would have had me um but i'm glad i wasn't there anyway because i couldn't have just withstood the fury yeah those boys shouldn't have been there anyways they're not built like that yeah, dude. I mean, a Cholo gang in Fort Worth. I just feel like you know it is what it is. But I, Fort Worth, it's not the it's not the gold mine that I I would assume that gangs are after. You know, maybe a Dallas, maybe a Houston, Fort Worth. Mm. Uh, but on that same day, Saturday Night Live is airing the episode with a musical guest Silverchair and your host David Allen Greer. The host David Allen Greer. I mean, yeah. This was one of their Christmas episodes. Uh, I mean, they had the Rocky Roads skit, and I don't know if you remember it, but this is Will Ferrell, uh, Nancy Waltz, uh, David Allen Greer, and Tim Meadows. And they, they say they're the Rocky Roads because Tim Meadows and the Dag are the chocolate, Will and Nancy are the marshmallow, and they're all a bit nuts. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they do this little vignette where they're like, it's Nancy Walls, Tim Meadows, and David Allen Greer. And they're like, hey, new girl, what's your name? Sally? Oh, that's not what I heard. I heard it was Onky Cracker. And then they say, <laughs> like, yeah, this is one of those after school kind of like programs. And then they, they do the correct way. And they're like, oh, uh, hey, new girl, what's your name? Sally? Wow, that's what I heard too. I heard it was Sally. <laughs> and then it's. And at some point, David Allen Greer's like, well, if you can groove on that, you can groove on this. And he, he pulls out a whole bag of cocaine. And they're like, <laughs> Will Ferrell's like, is that the drugs? Was this also but, the same one with the weatherman thing where, like, they're is, doing the new? <laughs> yes. Wake up and smile. Yes. I've killed the weatherman. The weatherman is dead. Yes. And, like, because... <laughs> This, this all started from the teleprompter not working. Uh, he, he's like, I, I understand you've got some cooking tips for us, Diane. I understand you've got some cooking tips for us, Diane. And then like, yeah, but the funniest shit, they keep cutting to these like snippets for like fake TV shows. 
there's this commercial for like this like fancy spread, uh, <laughs> yeah. David Kickner, and then they cut to a TV show called Carrie. Oh, he can never put those pots away, and it's just Jim Brewer trying to like put pans in a cabinet, and he's like, <laughs> and, and then they just keep cutting back. Oh man. <clears throat> Yeah, and then they go. They just keep. There's no teleprompter, so they lose all sense of reality and basically devolve into eating the weatherman and creating a Lord of the Flies situation. The order of the hand will rule. <laughs> oh, uh, da- see, dude, Dag even killed SNL. Yeah, this motherfucker oh, yeah. was just all about it. And there's another skit called Black People. I like the laziness in title. And uh, it's basically like a, a history, a look in black history. And uh, Dag plays this guy named Charles Honeydew Wilkins. And he's just the Sambo-ish of Uncle Tom's. Uh, he's like, I'm not an equal. I don't mind. I don't have to dine with you. And it's oh just very God. cool. And he's like, uh, it's called Yes, Indeed, Dad, what do you do? Uh, he's, zippity, zoo, shine, yoshu, remind, oh my zippity. god it, it, it's fucking hilarious i'm not doing it justice uh but apparently he spent his fortune on hammocks and uh he wound up being the first black man to be lynched by black people yeah. <laughs> wow snl just going straight uh bear that's more racy than i would assume snl would go at this time of the of the show really that's a very uh in living color sounding sketch not snl very and uh silverchair performed uh pure what's it called pure massacre and tomorrow you're gonna get your fed boy fed boy (laughs) fed boy until i love me some silverchair steve weren't they australian silverchair yeah something like that yeah well, shout out Silverchair. They had some. They had some heaters. You can get high, play some video games, and listen to some Silverchair. Uh, yeah, that album with the too. frog on it, I believe there was a frog on it somewhere. Frog yeah, yeah, there we go. And uh, on that same day, Bump in the Night aired its final episode. Uh, it's a weird cartoon on CBS, and uh, it's basically the misadventures of a small green thing uh, that lived under a kid's bed. Hmm. I don't remember that at all, but shout out Bump in the Night. What the fuck? I remember the green thing. I think he was like the focal point, like the mo of that threesome. Man, I was checked out of CBS at that point, I think. Yeah, I've been checked out. But uh, on that same day, Ace uh, Ventura Pet Detective, the animated series started. Uh, Never seen that one. Uh, It was too late in the game. Yeah. Um, On that same day, December to December, 95 aired on ECW. Um... I like it's, the title. Yeah. I mean, this is still when Steve Austin is in the mix. Uh, I believe Mick Foley. Um, one half of the double main event was a Ultimate Jeopardy steel cage match with the public enemy, the Pitbulls, and Tommy Dreamer uh, against the Heavenly Bodies, the Eliminators, Raven, and Stevie Richards. Um, and yeah, Steve Austin fought Mikey Whipwreck uh, and Sandman in a three-way, three-way which Ooh. Mikey Whipwreck won. Yeah. Mm. Sandman, did Sandman just bust somebody over the head with that kendo stick? <clears throat> How does a drunk guy in American pants just have a kendo stick? I just don't get it. He just picked it up at a fucking flea market or something, or drinking those stabilizers. <laughs> uh... 
I don't remember December to dismember, but that's one of the greatest names for a pay-per-view of all time. So shout out to Paul Heyman, because I'm assuming he had something to do with that. Oh, yeah, this was his baby, man. But somebody that probably wasn't watching any of that shit in 1995 was the 61st Heisman Trophy award winner, Eddie George, from the Ohio State. I mean, I witnessed the greatness that was Eddie George. So, I mean, look at this guy. What, what's going on with Eddie George now? What's, uh, what's I don't know to? what he's up to. Um, I don't know if he's even involved with football. But, uh, man, this was a crazy year because the finalists were Eddie George, uh, Tommy Frazier, Danny Werfel, Darnell Altry, Troy Davis, Peyton Manning, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, Tim Bianca Batuka, uh, Ward Dunn, and Bobby Hoyne, also from the Ohio State. I mean, dude, Eddie George would just, I mean, there was no competition. This dude was just like running and running. He was just killing it. As a Penn State fan at the time, it was just disheartening because you couldn't stop the guy. And I, who do you play for? The Titans? Played for the Titans and uh, the Cowboys for a little bit. Oh I yeah, he did. He, there you go. He was a cowboy. You got a, you got some at each other. How did that feel? Getting an Ohio State stud on your team? He actually did great. I, I liked him, but I think this was after the injuries because his prime was with the Titans uh, when they went yeah. to the Super Bowl and all of that, man. Um, but on that same day, Michaela Maroney is born, uh, December 1995, uh, the American gymnast. And uh, she's more famous for her memes, uh, Michaela's Not Feeling It, that kind of circulated uh, 2012, uh, Michaela's Not Impressed. That was, that's okay. what it was. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not and, impressed. And she, she even has that smirk. That's like the, uh, the famous smirk that she would have on the meme. Hmm. That's how I feel, Steve. I, I'm not. I'm not impressed, Michaela. Well, yeah, Michaela. Fuck you. Well, in 1996, on December 9th, uh, Gwen Jacob is acquitted of committing an indecent act, uh, giving women the right to be topless in Ontario, Canada. Thank well, all praise to this. I don't live in Canada, but thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, she went topless. Yeah, yeah. Oh. This is Gwen Jacob. Yeah, keep yours on. But thank you for uh, doing the, the Canadian people in Canada a favor. I was uh, hoping it would be a little more, you know, yeah. appealing. But you know, shout no. out to Gwen. It was looking she looks more like, John like Daly. yeah, John Daly and Pete Rose had a baby, and it went to a Guy Fieri competition of some kind. I mean. What were the t- there are there tits on that or what's going on? What what was the indecent act? Man, uh, just well, pulling them out and John, I'd be like, you're going you're to just, jail forever. <laughs> just walking around with them. Apparently, uh, now they said that on a, a hot and humid day, she was arrested after walking down the street while topless after removing her shirt when the temperature was 32 degrees Celsius uh, and was charged with indecency. Um, the police stated that they acted following a complaint from a woman who was upset that one of her children uh, was seeing this. And, and I mean, she, she did it because men were doing it and she looks like one. So she thought, uh, you know, she wanted to draw attention in the double standard. Uh, she was found guilty and fined 75. But in her defense, um, she argued that breasts were merely fatty tissue. She's like, it was all nipple anyway. She looks like somebody who has a tit that's all nip. Yeah, so, and, and when it, it passed on to Ontario Court of Appeal, and she was acquitted December 9th, 96. 
Uh, well, I'm sorry you know, I'm you off, man. people have no, it's okay. And I, I just feel like, you know, people have to, they're heroes that, you know, maybe you're not, when you think about a certain situation, maybe they don't appear to be what you thought they would look like, but this person's a hero. And while I don't want to see those tits ever at all, never, yeah. um, you know, every once in a while, people have to pull out some fucking knee knockers and just let them out. And that's what appears to happen here. But this is a pioneer um, and a freedom fighter for tits. So shout out. And on December 9th, 1998, Archie Moore, the American boxer and actor dies. Uh, he was born in 1913. And uh, he was also a trainer. He trained George Foreman and Muhammad Ali. Damn. Well, I bet that was a tough son of a bitch. Yeah, I had to, man. Uh, he has the reign for the longest uh, hold of a, the light heavyweight champion from 1952 to 1962. A whole fucking decade. Jesus yeah. Christ. Well killing it well any callbacks honorable mentions or takeaways matthew i have an honorable mention because we couldn't cut you know we've been covering fraser quite a bit uh but there was a fraser episode on our list and it was called desperately seeking closure and uh it's just a funny episode fraser gets um he gets this hottie high class lawyer girlfriend who showers him with gifts and then he is broken up with quite quickly and he basically spends this whole episode trying to figure out what happened and i think mm. everybody's been there that's been broken up with you're like i wonder like what did i do and he basically even confronts the woman uh and is like what did i do so i just it was a very funny episode but it had to fall to the wayside and i to, i'm honestly i'm so glad because we got to watch walker texas ranger instead and you know, you got to. We got to branch out a little bit, and we needed a karate yeah. kick to the taint, and Chuck Norris gave us that. So, run. <laughs> what about you, um, man? Uh, so, in 1992, Dookie Hauser was in the episode with a real Dr. Hauser. Please stand up. And uh, a, a young child is being uh, beaten by his stepdad, and that child is John Christian Grass. Now that name might not be familiar to you, uh, but he is Matthew from Seinfeld, from the, uh, what is it? The yogurt, the non-fat yogurt episode. Oh shit. Yeah, John Christian Grass. So yeah, he, he plays an abused kid. And it's one of those like, man, uh, how, where did you get those bruises? Oh, I fell. And then they find out the truth like somewhere towards the end, man. Um, Matthew, young Matthew, young shitty Matthew fucking yeah. cussing in front of his mom he was also in kindergarten cop apparently yeah it's been a while damn it's not a tumor we need to cover that that's a, just an amazing movie of the 90s it's another jingle all the way where it makes absolutely no sense but it's arnold so it does you know it was the 90s uh now please like share subscribe and tell your favorite auntie that we cook and uh, this is steve g matt g it happened in the 90s please check out over the culture and crush gasm and b3f and